This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. Today, we come to you live from Worlds, UCWDC Worlds in San Francisco Bay Area. California, specifically in Berlin game. It's very close to San Francisco, though, so it kind of counts. It totally counts. Yeah, we've got all our local stuff on. Uh, I've got my San Francisco 49ers jacket that my mom found for me at a thrift store. And I've got my boogie shirt on. We both have our Orange County Dance Connection uh, name tags on from Luann Schemmel. I've got my Wild Wild West bag in, uh, in I think, the car right now. And uh, what was... There's I one. have my uh, Wine Country Line Dance bag. That's it. Yes, I, I have one as well. Uh, the one where the leg is starting to come off. Um, I have that over my left shoulder as well. Poor so, Brenda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we have been here how many nights now? Monday, Tuesday. Well, we did floors on Saturday. We did floors Saturday, and then we were here the first night of dancing, which would have been Sunday night. Mm. And I guess... I mean, I could read down the list, but we could also just save that for the, the full wrap-up. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things we're very excited about is this book that I, I bought uh, just before New Year's, Jumpstart Your Thinking by John C. Maxwell, a 90-day improvement plan. We started it on the first, so we're already on the, the fourth day. I think we can start over real quick since we're only on the fourth day. And give I agree. people an idea of what we've uh, at least read and talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get everyone up to speed. Okie dokie. <clears throat> so the idea behind this book is that uh, having new ways of thinking allows you to be more creative and make your projects happen that you have in mind. And of course, for anybody who knows us, you know that we have projects going all the time and we're trying to keep those creative juices flowing <clears throat> in optimal levels. So, day one. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. James Allen Changing from negative to positive thinking will transform a person's life, but it isn't always easy, especially if you have a difficult time with change. For some, it's a lifelong struggle. Do you know what most people's number one challenge is when it comes to making positive personal changes? It's their feelings. They want to change, but they don't know how to get past their emotions. But there is a way to do it. Consider the truth contained in the following syllogism. Major premise. I can control my thoughts. Minor premise. My feelings come from my thoughts. Conclusion. I can control my feelings by controlling my thoughts. If you are willing to change your thinking, you can change your feelings. If you change your feelings, you can change your actions. And changing your actions, based on good thinking, can change your life. That truth has the power to set you free. Then the little exercise they have on the next page is make a list of words that describe your thoughts and feelings. Circle the negative ones and make a decision to start improving them. Thoughts? (laughs) Um, When we first started this, we were really positive and we were really hopeful. And so most of what we wrote, what you wrote down anyways, um, was along the lines of the of the positive thinking. Um, what I've done since then is every day I have taken about five minutes to just kind of reflect on some of the thoughts that I've had throughout the days. Like if, um, if I've been hopeful and like 
energetic or, you know, like anything to that sense of positive or even if I've dreaded something or I got annoyed at something that happened or something like that and then I started to think about the situations and how I could have handled it differently or even just I guess essentially praise myself for when I did handle it appropriately or even better than I would originally have thought I would had Um, and it just kind of gives me a, a few minutes of reflection on the day and how I can change my thinking um, to be more positive and be more open-minded to change, which a lot of us are reluctant for. Mm-hmm. So words that describe my thoughts and feelings, I had a whole bunch of them. But one thing I wanted to come back to is where it says that um, you can control your thoughts and your feelings come from your thoughts. Physiologically, a lot happens with your feelings that doesn't have anything to do with thoughts like if you're hungry and it makes you grouchy or if you're sleepy and that makes you grouchy you're just going to have the feeling first and then you'll have a thought that's related to it or sometimes if your chemicals are all out of sorts and maybe you had too much to consume beverage wise and now you're in like kind of a depressed state because you used up all your you know happy brain chemicals uh, then you're going to have a feeling and then the thought is just something that reinforces that. So I'm not sure if how, how much stock I would put in what they're saying about how all your feelings come from your thoughts. So on day one already, I, I start to think what, what, what will be coming next in this book? Well, to go off that a little bit, I, yes. t- I do definitely agree that sometimes there's the idea of you have a feeling and then you react to it. Mm. As opposed to your first thought is, oh, I'm happy today. And then so now you're smiling all day long or whatever. Um, so I know that there is some a lot of truth and weight in what you say. However, I also notice that people who tend to look more positively have less situations in which they find themselves automatically reacting negatively. So if you're more inclined to condition your thoughts to look things positively, when that person cuts you off in traffic, you're going to be like, oh, well, that happened, as opposed to I can't believe that person, they're such a jerk, and how rude of them, and you know, like really just going to that darker place mm-hmm. versus if you've conditioned your idea to really give people like the benefit of the doubt and like oh okay well I had no control over what just happened because that was a choice somebody else made however I do have a choice in how I choose to react and what thinking I allow myself which then spurs the feeling because mm-hmm. obviously the first time you think oh that person's a jerk that's going to fuel that negative energy that's going through you so then you're going to have a negative feeling Mm -hmm. as opposed to if you're like well that was unfortunate Mm -hmm. you know it it takes time and but yeah like you said i mean there definitely is those you know instant reactions to what's going on physiologically so that like when you are hungry you can feel yourself getting grouchy well then that's a matter of like oh okay i need to do something to take action to change this because i know what's going on Mm so as it relates to dance uh sometimes you will be in a funk and you don't want to do any dances and that could just be your body feeling the way that your body feels And then somebody says, oh, hey, could you help me with this one? So you help them do it, and you're kind of reluctant about it. But your body starts moving. 
Now endorphins are starting to flow, and it nothing changed in your thinking. Your mindset was still whatever it was about not wanting to dance or not liking the song or whatever, but now your body feels a little better. So you might be a little bit more inclined to think about you know the next dance and uh, and try to at least take the effort to, to have a new mindset about it. And then the thoughts and feelings can ping, ping pong back and forth against each other so that the more you're thinking like, okay, I'll give this one a chance, the more dances you're willing to do, the more endorphins flow, the better you feel about doing the next one, and so on, until eventually you just kind of brute force your body into feeling better. Yeah. Um, there's also like the perfect example in most recent experience was... Um, because we live an hour north from Worlds and we still have jobs and that we have to work this week prior sure to today, um, we've been coming after work, driving an hour south, dancing, leaving at 2 or 3 in the morning, driving an hour north, and getting home really, really late. That does take a toll on the body. And it does take a toll on the mindset and what your first inclination reaction is when you're tired and when you're, you know, depriving your body of the necessary nutrients and relaxation and time to recharge, you know, you're more susceptible to having a negative experience or negative thought. And when we were weighing the decision, I know that it at least crossed my mind a couple times of like, well, do I really want to drive another hour and then it's going to be late by the time we get there and we've already done so many of the good dances, what's left. And like I kind of started going on that spiral of negative and then I started thinking like, okay, well, if I do go, someone might be there that I haven't seen yet. If I do go, I might have forgotten about that one dance that... Uh, Jill or JP knows that I absolutely love doing and that I'll get out there and I'll play with it. And it's something that maybe it didn't cross my mind because it's not a fresh like experience with it. And so like I started to kind of change the idea of like, okay, well, and then if I'm there, then we don't have to drive, get up really, really early tomorrow morning and drive down because we're already going to be in the city and so on and so forth. So I started changing how my thought process was going and I started feeling better and more optimistic about coming. And sure enough, we drove down last night. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said about if you do change your thoughts, you can change your feelings. Mm-hmm. And then you can start looking hopeful on things and positive on things. So, All right. This was one of the ones that I actually did fill in on paper. I think we discussed day two, but we haven't, we haven't written anything for that. So uh, the list of words. Here's what I've got. Skeptical, optimistic, unsure, energetic, motivated, ready, hungry, grateful, loved, liked, accepted, welcomed, curious, patient, experimental, positive, realistic. Uh, And I put realistic in quote marks because it's hard to know what's real sometimes. Balanced, earnest, willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. We couldn't find a synonym for that very long concept, but willing to give people benefit of the doubt. Happy, loving, uh, accompanied, parentheses, not lonely, blessed, healthy, aware, alive, unafraid, public, private, available, experienced, novice, lucky, awake, young, willing to learn, agreeable, willing to understand, hopeful, good-humored, and cheerful. So I didn't have a lot of negative ones in there. But I think that's okay for the start of the year. I think that that, that shows a lot of promise for what your year holds for you. Yes. Day two. Thought is the original source of all wealth, all success, 
all material gain, all great discoveries and inventions, and all achievement. Claude M. Bristol It may seem obvious that the quality of people's thinking leads to the quality of their results. However, one of the reasons people don't achieve their dreams is that they desire to change their results without changing their thinking. That's never going to work. If you want to jumpstart your thinking, you must believe that only good thinking creates the foundation for good results. In As a Man Thinketh, James Allen, philosopher of the human spirit, wrote, Good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. This is but saying that nothing can come from corn but corn, nothing from nettles but nettles. Simply put, if you expect to reap corn when you plant nettles, you're not going to get corn, no matter how much time you spend watering, fertilizing, or cultivating your plants. If you don't like the crop you are reaping, you need to change the seed you are sowing. Do you want to achieve? Then sow the seed of good thinking. Where in life are you failing to get the results you want? What aspect of your thinking might be leading to those results? What changes in your thinking might be required to produce the good results you desire? So this one's a little bit tricky because it's been a work in progress for me for about a year and a half, almost two years now at this point, is the idea of like, okay, I'm tired of feeling out of control of my choices in life when it is my control. Um, I didn't like the idea of where my life choices had led me. So what can I do about it besides just complain and be like, oh, I don't like the fact that I don't make enough money or I don't get to travel or anything like that. Um, I started making the decisions to change that. I started, I went back to school and I changed jobs and I've definitely, as you all know very well, have been traveling a lot lately and going to as many dance events as I possibly could because that is where I'm happy. That is what I want to do. I, I no longer wanted to sit there and be like, how could my life be better and then not take any steps to do it? Or like, well, I can't sacrifice the idea of like this comfort or this um, this thing of like a job that I was in because you I mean I don't want to rock the boat kind of situation. And it, there was a, a lack of risk taking to really pan off on the rewards that I've now been reaping. Uh, so when I switched jobs, it allowed me a freedom because I was able to work my schedule around the events. When I went into the interview, I was up front with my potential employers and being like, you know, this is something that I do. I travel at least one weekend a month, um, every month. So I would need you guys to be willing to work around that kind of schedule. I teach on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And on Thursdays, I have a podcast that I'm a participant of. And, you know, I like to, and I take all these other dance classes. So I, my availability is here. If that's not convenient for you, then, you know, I understand. But they were more than willing to work with me. And they've done an amazing job since then. So I am able to work and play at the same time. Whereas four years ago, all I did was work. I was there from sunup to sundown well after. 
I would get in at nine o'clock in the morning and not leave until midnight. And I would come in on my days off. I would call in on my days off. And so it's like I never took that break from work. And I was not happy. I was not balanced. So it's a process that I'm currently looking at. And I guess it's a good idea to reflect um, and see, like, where do I think that, for lack of a better term, I'm failing and what I can work at. Um, I like the idea more to look at not necessarily failing, but where am I not as strong in this particular category? For me, what came to mind was choreography. And if the results that I want are you know, clever movements and hitting lyrics just right, the way you know Rachel does always, <laughs> uh, what is it that might be stopping me from getting those kinds of results? And it's really just not experimenting for as long as I probably should be. Like I, and it, it's easy to say. I don't have a studio. I don't have a proper dance floor. I don't have a workshop. So I can't I can't take the time and do it, you know, wrong in a parking lot on my street shoes. But I could. And I think um, it, if you take the time to do it, uh, even if one cool thing comes out of testing 50 different things, that's one more thing than you had before. It's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be uh, you know, first first attempt is, you know, knocking it out of the park. So, really, I think I just need a greater volume of swings before I can, you know, hit a home run. And that would be something that, um, if I'm to read this again, let's see, where in life are you feeling your results? What aspect do you think might be leading to those results? I guess it's not even necessarily a conscious thing. But the idea that, like, thinking about it is good enough, like sitting in the car and hearing steps that could go together and thinking, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to bookmark that, and then never getting on your feet and doing it, the thinking is not enough. If you want to actually create a dance, you're going to have to dance it. True story. <laughs> yeah. And then other people won't know um, what it is that you came up with until you write it down and share it. Also, those things are all part of this process. But um, one of the things that stops me is the instant gratification of, oh, yeah, that would go really well there. Done. And done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what changes in my thinking might be required to produce the good results you desire? It's okay to say, okay, um, you know, this is a kind of a fun dance, and you know, there's the idea of perfect is the enemy of the good because when you're always trying to go for absolutely perfect, you won't put out anything because – Sometimes good is all right. Like good is good enough. And for something as casual as, you know, a nice beginner dance or something, if it flows well enough, just put it out, you know, finish it and then put it out and put it behind you and then move on to the next thing. We still have songs that we've been playing for months and months and months that we haven't released anything to, nor have we tested anything out really significantly on our feet for them. And that could have been something we released months ago but uh you know it's it's just that thought that like oh yeah you know what might be mm, yeah i could kind of see sambas but i don't know let's hold on to it and see what else happens and then nothing happens 
you really have to make the decision. Now is the end time. I decided I gave myself a deadline and I'm going to put out what I have by that time. If it's good, if I think people will enjoy it, just go ahead, execute, put it out there. Otherwise, you know, years later, you're going to have this huge backlog of things that people could have been enjoying, but you decided to hold on to them forever. Yeah. Um, I know specifically dance-related, um, there's a few things that I made several excuses about, especially when it comes to choreography, such as, like, I'm not experienced with the waltz timing, or I'm not experienced with the nightclub timing, or something to that extent. And so I have all of these songs that I've just stored for when I get better, for when I get better. For when, well, I haven't taken really any steps to get better. So um, a few weeks back, I spoke with a friend of mine, love her dearly, who is much more experienced in listening to music and breaking it down in, in choreography. And I set up a lunch date with her for this weekend, since she will be in town, in which she can help me see. And what I mean by that is we're going to listen to music together and she's going to kind of show me how she hears it and how she distinguishes the different timings. And then I've also spoken to another person in regards to like choreographing a nightclub specifically and she gave me a list of dances to go and look at and learn and feel how they feel so that I can get an idea of maybe what I might want in a dance to feel because the way she choreographs is definitely by feel and by how it moves with the music and what story it tells as opposed to well it's a waltz so it has to have a twinkle you know, something like that. Um, she definitely lets her, her body take her where it wants to go with the music, and that's how she gets inspired. Um, and then she finesses. So I, got, I went to the people that have the knowledge that I seek as opposed to just thinking, oh, one day I'll get there. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, like a, as though the, you know, the, the nightclub fairy is just going to come down and enchant you with yes. ability. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, she is my friend, don't you know? <laughs> I hang out with all the fairies. <laughs> Day three. Beware when the great god lets loose a great thinker on the planet. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Do you realize that the quality of your thinking is the lid for your potential? To paraphrase the words of King Solomon, wisest of all ancient kings, as people think in their hearts, so they are. If you are an excellent thinker, you have excellent potential. But if your thinking is poor, you have a lid on your life. Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, refused to believe the popular notion that a town of less than 50,000 in a in population could not support a discount store for very long. He thought for himself and struck out on his own. Today... Walmart is the world's largest retailer and company by revenue, employing more than two million people. How's that for potential? No wonder Jack Welch, former chairman of General Electric, said, The hero is the one with ideas. The greatest detriment to your potential success tomorrow is your thinking today. If your thinking is limited, so is your potential. But... If you can keep growing in your thinking, you will constantly outgrow what you're doing, and your potential will always be off the charts. 
<laughs> and then the exercise we have on the next page is name the best thinkers you know personally. Describe what's different about them. Choose one of those thinkers and try to arrange to spend some time with him or her. This is kind of amazing, considering Joe Thompson Zemanski just walked by and said hello, and um, that's the first person that came to mind when it comes to just overall life balance. Every time you see her, you see a smile, and you just see this warmth and almost just this welcoming aura that you just can't help but want to be next to. And I love that she has such a powerful and positive outlook on so many things. And, you know, she is human, so I'm sure she has her moments in which she gets frustrated or, you know, gets disappointed or um, discouraged. But she doesn't let that stop her, which is something I really, really admire and want to cultivate in myself. Um, I know that she is a true inspiration to me. And so I try and look at things in the sense of like, okay, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling low. I'm feeling negative. What would Joe do kind of situation? Um, you actually are another huge inspiration to me because of how you're able to take certain things and just see them in a way that I would never even have been able to originally go there. And because you have that and you open that doorway and you walk down that path, I'm able to go with you and I'm able to experience things in ways that I never would have imagined possible. Um, two years ago, I, I never would have thought that I'd be sitting here talking on a podcast at a giant dance event where, you know, friends from all across the world, people I've, you know, just been friends on Facebook with, I get to meet in person because this is such a huge opportunity for so many people. And here I am. And that is in huge part to you opening that opportunity to me and then me taking that risk and going there. Uh, which I think is huge. It's one of those things where, you know, that shows you what we've talked about so far, the idea of like, well, if you take that risk, if you think things might turn out for the good, there's a chance that they will. Um, One of the things I like to say a lot with a few of my friends is self-fulfilling prophecies. If you think it's not going to work, it won't. If you think that it could work, it could. You know, it's... Yes, sometimes that doesn't always happen. If you think it could work, it doesn't always work. But you took that risk, and now you can assess what happened and do it better the next time and take another risk and keep moving forward as opposed to just always saying, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. Um, I'm too scared to do that. I No, I would fail. You know, well, what if you don't? What if you succeed? What if, for instance you put in a dance move into a line dance that is weird. It's never been seen before. Well, yeah, there's a lot that's never been seen before. It may or may not work. It may or may not work in that specific dance, but that move might be really catchy and work perfectly for the next person or even yourself down the road when a new track comes out and they're just able to prep it perfectly so that it's just a natural flowing body movement. Um, I don't remember who it was we were talking to a little while back, but they were talking about how 
oh, I think it was um, Scott, how like when they were first starting with line dancing, it was a lot of just kind of shuffling forward and shuffling to the side. And he wanted to inspire people to dance more and express themselves more. So he had to give them more opportunities to do that, which means he had to start coming up with movements more than just a step forward, shuffle forward, step back, shuffle back. You know, he had to actually add in movements that's going to push people's comfort levels and push and inspire people to be better than what they think they can be. So two things that uh, what you said reminded me of there's the quote um whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right and then the other one is um something like what if what if i fall oh my dear what if you fly something yeah like that uh, i would definitely echo a lot of what you said about joe and her positivity uh, she definitely has a knack for matching movements with music that are just challenging enough to help you grow without scaring you. Yes. Yeah. And in terms of just absolute genius level of coming <laughs> up with stuff, I would have to say Rachel for sure. She she puts things in that you just you think, "Of course, of course I have to do that there." Like I, anything else would feel wrong, but I never would have come up with that myself. And she does that with, like, every dance she does. And and I remember when we were looking at all these dances to learn for Florida Line Dance Classic, we were looking at a short dance that I think might have been by Scott where he has really efficient and interesting movements. Um, and it was, like, 32 count something or other. And then there was some, like, 64 count masters in line or, you know, individual Rachel dance. And I thought, well... Let, let's do the Rachel one first because I'm sure we'll pick that up faster. <laughs> like she has a way of setting up patterns so that the third thing you do after the first two things makes complete sense. And like I said, like there are geniuses in every, in every kind of category where they're like creative and they synthesize things that they've learned from like the history up until the present. And she is just a total genius when it comes to line dance patterns and matching the feel of movements with the music and even picking music that's unique um you look like you're about to say something so go ahead and jump no, right in i was gonna say um that actually reminded me a little bit of the book da vinci that ah. we started listening to yes. there was a moment in which someone said we need to be careful on how and who we label a genius because a genius almost seems like something that's completely unobtainable to the everyday person. Now, I'm totally putting this into my own words, by the way. Um, whereas someone who is just like Da Vinci, he had a skill in which he could, we could learn. Um, and he just saw things and questioned things and wondered things that the average person didn't. And so that's where, like, he had this unsatiable um, or unquenchable unquest- uh, thirst to discover things and to see things in a wonder and a beauty that can be learned when you change your thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a certain degree in which I feel like someone like Rachel has a natural talent for it, but I'm hopeful that by looking at things and understanding things and just the sheer love and passion 
of dance and music that we both share, um, maybe we might be able to understand and see those same patterns someday. Yeah. She has definitely put in the hours that we could not possibly have because we started so late, uh, comparatively. Other people would say, oh, I wish we had known this when we were 30 and, and 33 and 31 and you know whatever ages. Um, I'm glad that we started when we did, but it would have been nice to have been like 14 or whatever, or in other people's cases, like zero. Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just you know, have all these years of experience of doing the work. That's where Rachel has um, a huge advantage in terms of like what comes to her naturally. She has done so many things. She has, she has tested so many combinations and she's been exposed to people like Paul McAdam and Pedro and Rob and gotten to learn what they think like and how they come up with their clever stuff. So she has had so many experiences to choose from that, you know, when, when a new song comes out, she just kind of could pick and choose from like the best of what she's already seen and put it together in a new way and then throw in something new of her own that she can see that none of us can also what you said about Da Vinci, I think, is, is also spot on with, like, how she makes things learnable. And that is where the technical amazingness of stuff that happens in line dance is different from watching a hip-hop crew do what they do. Because we can actually learn what we see people doing. If you see, you know, the Kinjas or something, and they're doing a, a, these cool formations and movements and popping and locking that looks like magic, you think, wow, they're really talented. They're really skilled. I could never do that. But then Line Dance takes it a step further with people like Rebecca and Roy Hedisabrodo and Philip and Rachel, and they'll do all this amazing... Oh, Shane and Guyton, Fred. They'll do things that's very similar but then they'll go into a lesson for an hour or however long it takes. And explain at least the basics, yeah. Yeah. They, they make it relatable. They use sound effects. They use uh, vocabulary that you don't need, like, an advanced degree in dance to be able to understand and then replicate. So, yeah, she, that's where she goes, you know, farther than just thinking the stuff up and then doing it herself. Like, you know, some software programmer who can do the code but then not be able to teach you how he did it and just kind of say well I don't know just just look at it it's obvious like no she is able to make it seem obvious so that you could have come up with it yourself even though you know you wouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> or at least yet yeah you wouldn't have yet yeah so yeah no, there's a several dances of hers specifically that I'm like wait you can do that you know and it's just the what? that's so obvious why didn't I think of it well I'm not there yet. Mm. I'll get there. Also, she has confidence um, to say, yes, this is doable, and yes, you should do it. It'll be fun. Whereas we could do that and be like, I don't know. Is that a little too cheesy? Is it a little too on the nose? Are people going to think like, oh, it's, of course they're doing this. So they're rolling their eyes or something like that. We, I don't know if, if we are a able to really just step up and be like, yeah, no, try it. Try it. Actually try it. Do it with the music. You'll like it. I don't know if we can say that yet. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to she has really earned her name and her experience and why people trust her the way they do is because she 
it, this wasn't just handed to her. This mm-hmm. wasn't just like, oh, natural, like, oh, I just walked in off the street one day and now I am who I am today, you know, kind of thing. It's no, she really puts in the sweat and the blood and the tears and the passion and she does the work and she doesn't expect someone to do it for her um as we've seen numerous accounts she is definitely that type of person that where she sees something that can be improved she's gonna do it you know she's gonna pick up the mic and do a a turbo teacher a split floor or just to get as many people involved as possible and it's clear how much she loves doing it that she wants to share it that badly she like you had said she makes things learnable and teachable and it really just puts it into a perspective for everyone that you can do this too it's okay give it a try i promise you're gonna like it kind of situation um oh i totally just lost the train of thought for the other side that i was thinking of um when it comes to thinking as well of the idea of like surrounding yourself with the people that you know like you admire for their thinking and like how they're different um a lot of the people that i admire aren't afraid of the work Mm -hmm. that's how they're different from a lot of other people i know is yeah i mean nobody wants to do the work everybody's wants like you said the the little magical fairy to tap them with their wand and then you just have all the experience but it's the people who aren't afraid to do the work and afraid to put in the time that really inspire me to make that conscious effort of, okay, well, if I want to choreograph something, let's start by looking at the music. Okay, now that I have a music that I like, okay, let's get off your butt and actually do something. Um, same thing with teaching. Teaching. Oh, my gosh. I know I've said this probably 100 times at this point, and I'm probably going to say it 100 more times. Getting up on that stage and being in front of all of those people is terrifying to me. Demoing. Terrifying to me. Knowing that people are actually watching me. But a perfect example of how far I've come just because I've changed my thinking and some of that has to do with the idea of having the support of someone like you and Rachel and Joe saying, just go for it, just go for it, just do it. And then also um, listening to the five-second rule on audiobook, like it really is a matter of just change your thinking, just get up and do it. And I, I know that had I not taken those necessary steps to surround myself by people I admire and qualities that I want in myself to cultivate and spread the idea of encouragement to others, I never in a million years would have been the only one on the floor the other night trying a dance that I wasn't even remotely 100% confident in yet with lay it back as the room is full of people watching me. I was the only one on the floor. There's no way two years ago I would have had the courage or the strength to get up and just do it. Were there some competition dancers out there during that uh, as well? Uh, well, they were sitting in sitting in, in the seats, the yes, room. watching me since I was the only one on the floor. Yeah. yeah. I just figured I'd throw in the extra yeah. pressure at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also wouldn't get up on stage and 
talk with people and teach them lessons had I not had that same encouragement to just go for it. And it's okay if you, what is it, what's the saying? Um, if you, if you trip, make it part of the dance. Hmm. Or if you fall on your face, at least you're moving forward. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> um, exactly. And it's, it's all a matter of if you never take that risk, you're never going to get that reward. So take it. Give yourself the option of potentially succeeding your own expectations and growing into a person that you genuinely look at in the mirror and like and following the idea of surrounding yourself um oh that's what it was there is we've said it i referenced it several times now one of my favorite things that you've ever said is you're the average of the five people surround who you surround yourself with so if you keep surrounding yourself with better and better and better and more positive and more uh, more people that you admire traits of you're only naturally going to improve your own thinking and your own ability. It kind of goes along with the saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yes, exactly. So, um, and again, a lot of this has to do with the fact that, um, perfect example, going back to the five-second rule, is it takes about five seconds for your brain to convince you not to do something. Because the whole idea is if it's uncomfortable and it's scary, it's dangerous. Don't do it. So we are programmed, natural instinct, to fight against things that make us uncomfortable. We are naturally programmed to flee or escape from things that are scary because they're probably bad for us. However, it's very easy to convince yourself that everything is scary and everything is bad for you. You might walk out tomorrow and get hit by a bus. Who knows? You don't know. So that's scary. So what, are you just never going to leave your house? But what happens, and this is going to be really bad, if your house burns down? <laughs> um, you know, and you're inside. Okay, well, now what? Now, what are you supposed to do? So there's always something that could potentially happen that's bad and scary and negative. But is that really going to stop you from doing anything at all? So if you start looking at things like that and it's like, okay, well, it's scary to get up in front of people. We'll just do it. Take a breath. Count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Get up and start talking. You see that person across the room that's sitting by themselves? Chances are they do want someone to talk to. You know, count backwards. Five, four, three, two, one. Get up. Go introduce yourself. Ask them where they're from. What brought them here? You know, it's, it's small talk can lead into a great conversation. You know, if you're genuine in the idea of trying to better yourself. So. The thing that you mentioned about the work is where I can give you a huge shout out. Because I have had definitely a couple of my favorite um, creative counterparts like come in and out of life. Um, and one of them, uh, Keith Anderson. We started Line Dance Club together back at Sonoma State in like 2012, 2013. Um, we would talk about all these cool ideas for like the ideal bar, you know, country bar and you know, dance moves that we don't even know how to incorporate yet. But like, wouldn't it be neat if you did something like this? Um, we, even, we also even started like this list of let's just create dance names and then figure out after the fact 
what that's supposed to be. So if you had like the combination lock step, like what, what does that even mean? And then you just come up with something that looks like a combination lock. Um, he and I would have all these ideas and we'd write down so many ideas, but we were at a place in our dance journey where we didn't do very much about most of them. We did um, the mashup of like 11 dances, 11, 11, I guess, you know, sometimes we call it. Um, and you know, bring that out to places. And that felt like a creative thing. You know, it wasn't really choreography, choreography it was just kind of smashing dances together to music, but, um, it felt, you know, like a lot of fun. It felt like something new that we were bringing. Uh, there was, there were so many things that we, we talked about doing. And then we just at that time weren't ready to act on. And then he moved, he moved to Sacramento. So, you know, uh, we, we definitely haven't been able to do as much with that. Kevin, Kevin Ackelman, good friend of mine, uh, also from Line Dance Club, he and I have talked about business and like, what if we started our own line dance business somehow and, uh, and we marketed it in this way and advertised through these means and then we could just do this all the time. And we were talking about that kind of thing as he was about to leave college. He was graduating and I was still in my pretty secure, and I'm still kind of in my secure um, gig life of playing uh, music at senior communities. And we thought this would be great if we could like just both leave what we're doing and go into this full time. And we didn't do it. And then he moved to Southern California. So, you know, he got a job down there and I'm still doing what I'm doing. But, you know, with more dance involved uh, for sure. And with you, I am now at a place where I do feel a little bit more confident in some of the ideas that I've had for the last seven years, I guess. And you and I do things <laughs> we like we think about the things and then we do them and I think that is very healthy for growth and real execution because once so if, if you're thinking of let's say you have like seven hypothetical levels of things that you could do with you know dance stuff if you think and think and think on level one and you think oh yeah wouldn't that be great if we did that and then you never test it You'll just be thinking about level one forever. But if you think about level one and then you do it and you're like, oh, well, that was a little different than I expected. But you know what that makes me think is that we could do this and then that takes you to level two. And then you test out level two and then you learn from level two and then you're ready for what if we also added that with this and now it's level three and then you're actually growing. If you're just hypothetically sticking around at level one forever, imagining that it's going to be great, then you don't actually grow. You don't you don't learn from the success or failure of any aspect of it you just kind of are stagnant and i definitely don't want that for myself and i don't <laughs> think you do either no so definitely not i'm happy that we're both uh, able to take risks and and uh, go to new places and meet new people try new things um, have dances that don't take off anywhere <laughs> <laughs> and then have others that you know get taught by people that we've never met that you know hopefully we will halfway across the world yeah um, I know for me, one of the things that I have grown to really appreciate about myself is my curiosity. I want to know as much as I can about as many different things as I can. I want, it doesn't, there's no stopping what I learn at a certain point and being like, okay, well, yeah, I learned everything I could from that. Now what, you know, kind of thing. I'm always like, oh, well, there's this. Oh, but there's that. But there's this. And there, oh, but there's that too. And so it's like I have the problem of where do I start? 
as opposed to getting to a point to thinking I'm done. And with having you, there is it's a, it's amazing how much more you can accomplish with having that support system. It's absolutely undeniably wonderful and such a blessing in my own life is having the idea that I can try something completely fail and know that you're still going to like me, <laughs> you know, home base. <laughs> it's, it's that security that we accept one another for our strengths and our weaknesses and know that, uh, it's okay to have your off days. It's okay to have your amazing days and we're not going to judge the other person for either of those days. Um, it's also one of those things I know, very recently, uh, a lot of frustrating things had happened in a very condensed amount of time. Like we're talking like an hour or two and I was letting it bug me. And I, you know, you, you had asked, what can I do to help? And I was like, whatever you do, just don't let my negative affect you right now because I can get out of it as long as you stay positive. And sure enough, you know, like it took me like 10 or 15 minutes after I like had made that comment to consciously make the decision, okay, you're done. You're done feeling this way, so time to change it. And I changed it, and then sure enough, everything was fine after that. You know, it was like I let it pass. But it was the idea that knowing that I had your support and I was allowed to feel the way I I was feeling, I was able to make that conscious effort. Okay, enough is enough. This is my choice, and I don't choose to be like this. And so I was able to be like, I want to feel good. I want to feel happy. I want to feel excited. I want to feel encouraged. So what am I going to do to do that? Okay, well, this is what works. I mean, I put in my headphones, I turned on a 10-minute meditation, and I was done. I was done, and it was like, as soon as I was, after I, it was over, I felt so much better and so much more excited about, like, what was coming up. And it's the idea that I can count on you. That is the coolest feeling ever, which means I can take those risks. I can take those chances of things not working out, things being bad, and I can take the chances to change them. I also just want to give a shout out to Frank Trace because... <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis, Louis uh, our, our dear DJ friend, Louis St. George, has said that he has a really strong knack for finding music that people want to dance to. And, it's true. Yeah, and that somehow other people haven't found yet. Yes, he has got some killer gem tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's another thinker on the list. We'll probably come up with more as, as they oh, pop Oh, God, they're in. all, everybody. Yeah. Uh, day four, which is actually the day that we're on because it's January 4th. An invasion of armies can be resisted, but not an invasion of ideas. Victor Hugo. Here's some good news as you begin your thinking journey. No matter how complicated life gets or how difficult problems may seem, good thinking can make a difference, if you make it a consistent part of your life. The more you engage in good thinking, the more good thoughts will come to you. Success comes to those who habitually do things that unsuccessful people don't do. Achievement comes from the habit of good thinking. The more you engage in good thinking, the more good thoughts you will continue to think. It's like creating a never-ending army of ideas capable of achieving almost anything. If you're like many people, you believe good thinking is so complicated that it lies beyond your reach. But in truth, it's really a very simple process. 
Every person has the potential to become a better thinker. I've observed that unsuccessful people focus their thinking on survival. Average people focus on maintenance, and successful people focus on progress. A change of thinking can help you move from survival or maintenance to real progress. Ninety-five percent of achieving anything is knowing what you want and paying the price to get it. Where do you focus your thinking? On survival, on maintenance, or on progress? What change of thinking can help you move from survival or maintenance to real progress? So I kind of already touched on this a little bit with the idea of being in that. I say comfortable, but like even that is a stretch for the word that you're you're comfortable in what you know. So in other words, like I was in a job that was paying me money. I was in a job that I knew and I could do, and yet I was very unhappy. And it took me a long time to convince myself to take the risk of leaving said job. To try something else that might make me happy, so that's the idea of the survival slash maintenance. Is like I was surviving, I was getting my bills paid, if that, and I, I sort of kind of had food on the table, and you know, like it was a job, which is better than not having a job, not having any money, not having any roof over my head or any food on the table, and so then it became a matter of I was just going through the motions. And when you start to realize how unhappy you are, you have the option of just, yeah, no, I'm miserable. I hate my job. I hate my life. But it is what it is. Or the, wow, this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to be doing. And although, yeah, there's the couple good fun moments or those customers that make it worth it, or that associate that you get really excited to see every day. Those are bonuses, yeah, and that gets you through the negative. But what if there was more? What if you could make money and enjoy your job and look forward to going? Yeah, you're gonna have those few bad days or those few negative customers that you're like, okay, brace yourself. All right, cool. Now that's over. Now let's get back to what was happening. Happy, yay. You know, enjoyable. I like what I do. I like what I sell. I like who I talk to. I like who I engage with. Um, I like what I bring to the table. Whatever it is, you're able to go from that survival or maintenance into something better. But you have to be willing to take that risk. Same thing with, like I was saying, with the idea of getting up on stage and teaching. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be. Up on stage, the way you were, or Joe is, or Rachel, or any number of our amazing instructors, and I could have just sat back and been like, "Yeah, that would've been really nice," but it's okay. I'll be okay over here. I'll be okay in my little corner, just wishing I could be doing that. Or I could be like, "Okay, no, I really want to be able to do that. I think that would make me really happy. How can I do that? What can I do?" Okay, well, maybe I can teach this one lesson, this one time, and see how it goes. Okay, well, that went not as awful as I thought it could have, so maybe the next time I might be able to get better. Okay, well, what is it about the people that I admire on the stage and how they teach? What do they do? What do they say? How do they break things down? 
and I start looking at it more like an analytical and I guess for lack of a better term scientific process in the okay well what do they do that I could then implement so I could be better and that is where the idea of again changing your thinking and steps you can take to better yourself is what is it that you want or break it down in the steps um, I think you, you bought a, a, a workbook, essentially, of blank pages of different ways of thinking at, um, was it the Academy of Science? No, it was, uh, it's the Brilliant Ideas Launchpad. I think that's the name of it. And we got it at, uh, my family uh, and I went to the Computer History Museum in, oh, I want to say like Menlo Park or somewhere, somewhere in this uh, peninsula area. Yeah, and I remember seeing one of the pages is like, what's the pro? What's the big idea? Okay, and then it reverses down. It's reverse thinking. So this is the goal. What's the next smallest thing? What's the next smallest thing? And then it finally breaks it down into the idea of like, okay, well that's the first step I can take, as opposed to, I want to be a teacher like Rachel and Joe, and I want to do what they do. How do I get there? Well, let's reverse it a little bit, and maybe then the first step I need to take is going to become clear. You just reminded me of something that I saw on Reddit recently, which was, and I think this was uh, something that I was thinking regarding the thinkers section, uh, the idea of ikigai, uh, which is, I, I guess, a concept in Japanese culture that they strive for with what they do, how they try to live their lives. It's an intersection, as I saw it on a Venn diagram, it's an intersection among four different uh, circles. The top one was what you love to do. And then on the left, there was what you're good at. And the bottom was what you can get paid for. And on the right was what the world needs. And I think that's something that Joe and Rachel do that's like just a little step beyond, like almost just philosophically beyond your average line dance lesson. Because a lot of people think it's fun to teach. They, you know, they say they love to do it. A lot of folks who are doing it say that they love to do it. Um, the lucky ones can get paid for it. You know, they teach at a bar, they teach at a community center. And if they're halfway decent at it, then they can check off that, you know, what you're good at circle as well. But what, what Joe and Rachel do is they look at what the people, what the dancers need. Like, that's why Rachel does floor splits, because it's about everyone in the room. It's not about what she wants to dance, what she loves. That, you know, it's not checking off her circle of what she loves to do. It's not what she'll get paid more to do. It's not what she feels most confident in doing necessarily, but it's what they need. And Joe does the same thing with Dancing for the Dream, where, again, it's less of the focus on what, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, Dancing for the Dream is a charity. So it's not about what she personally is going to get from it, um, money-wise. Uh, it's not like, well, beginner dances are easy to teach, so I can, you know, that's what I'm good at, you know. It's about the dancers themselves as human beings. What do they need for their health? What do they need for their social interaction? What do they need to say, this was a good day. I ended it with a bang. I saw my friends. I felt confident doing these steps that I learned today. And Joe and Rachel are always looking out for the other person. 
and that is definitely the circle that I I would want to look most closely at because I can. I mean, there are always ways that you can you can jigger the numbers around to get uh, to get like more more money from whatever gig. You can just say, oh, I'll just focus on affluent areas. I'll just go to more wineries or something and teach there. Or again, yeah, I'll focus on beginner dances because I'm good at it and I can I can teach those steps without having to have a degree or whatever. But focusing and learning about people and hearing their story and why they came to this event, why if this is their first time, why they gave it a chance, what they were hoping to experience from it, and giving them that, regardless of whatever preparation you came in with for what you thought was going to happen that night or that day, focusing on how to give them what they were hoping to receive. It's like when we go into Line Dance Club or you know, Hot Monk or uh, Twin Oaks, and we think, all right, well, I think they're, they're ready for this dance because you know, they've been doing this this uh, level of you know, tempo and, and step combinations and we'll try to bring in this dance for them and you get there you say how many people are here for the first time pretty much everyone all right we're gonna do swinging thing right. <laughs> you know one wall dance not a whole lot of steps and uh, you just you find out who's there what they need what they're there for what kind of uh, dance would be fun for them and focus on that and that's that's the measure of your success is how they felt about it afterwards not what you planned to do or where you wanted to benchmark you know uh, the most complicated dance you were able to teach or something like that um, so yeah that's the ikigai again um, okay. intersection of what you love to do what you can get paid to do what you're good at and what the world needs yeah, it kind of reminds me, and I've heard several different variations to this particular concept, which is the um, ask not what others can do for you, but what you can do for others. It's that same kind of philosophy. The idea is you're going to get more by thinking about other people than if you'd get for just yourself. Because if you think just for yourself, that's when you're going to get the negative disappointments and you're going to you know, get frustrated and get disappointed and angry and all of those because people are inconveniencing you versus you, specifically you, um, learn dances on the off chance that someone might need to be led through them. They might not be your priority, but because the last event you saw and you didn't know this dance, you know, someone was struggling with it, you could, had you known this dance, you could have helped that person. And that's one thing that I definitely wanted to shout out and you know tell you that I admire mm. is that idea that you do consider other people when you're learning dances. You look at certain dances and be like, oh, this would be really good to bring back to my Monday night class. Or, oh my gosh, this is perfect level just to push club just ever so slightly. It's in their range, but we can, bring, we can get them that next step get them ready for this harder dance that they've been talking about wanting to do as opposed to jumping them into this hard dance and then them feeling bad because they're struggling so much with it. You find those gaps to fill in for people. Um, And it it really does make a difference when you start looking at it from the other people's perspective. Dare we cheat and look at day five? I think that we should go all the way to Sunday. I think that's the 7th or 8th. 
um, just so that people have something that they can think about as well as we can kind of maybe assess this whole weekend's worth through these events or these uh, topics. Okay. Day five. Nothing limits achievement like small thinking. Nothing expands possibilities like unleashed thinking. William Arthur Ward. Did you know that good thinking isn't just one thing? It consists of several specific thinking skills. Becoming a good thinker means developing all the thinking pieces to become the kind of person who can achieve great things. Throughout the rest of this book, we'll focus on the following types of thinking. Big picture thinking. Focused thinking. Creative thinking. Realistic thinking. Strategic thinking. Possibility thinking. Reflective thinking. Uncommon thinking. Shared thinking. Unselfish thinking. Bottom line thinking. These are your building blocks. If you develop each of these kinds of thinking, you will become a better thinker and your life will change. In the past, how have you defined good thinking? Considering these building blocks, how would you describe it now? Oh, that's an interesting interesting uh, question there, or two-part question, I guess you could say. How would you define good thinking? Because I was thinking, I was actually, huh, I was thinking as we were reading some of the earlier prompts, what they define good thinking as. Because it, it can vary. It very much can be, I just think positively, or I think things in a creative, inventive way, or, you know, something to that extent where it's much different um, from one another. Whereas I would say, like, in the past, I think I would define good thinking as, and I still do, very much so, is the positive, but also just smart, intellectually intelligent thinking is a good thinking. And I believe that by defining it that way, I limited myself. Hmm. In the sense that if it's intellectual, it's something that you're either smart or you're not kind of situation. And that, in my sense, you know, to, uh, to use the idea is not good thinking. Um, whereas now that I'm starting to think in the idea of good can just be positive, it can be taking those risks trying to see things differently pushing your comfort level and uh, self-awareness mm -hmm. as well like for instance I was saying how like I didn't want to feel the way I felt so I needed to change my thinking mm -hmm. um, I believe that all of that is kind of a good thinking um, I'm interested to see how they're going to go define like big picture focus creative realistic um strategic uncommon like uncommons i'm i'm very intrigued by uncommon um and like examples of like bottom line thinking and like what what it is like i could put into practice to help all of those um 
I know for me, strategic is not a strong area. Hmm. I don't think strategy. I was never very good at strategy games at all. Hmm. Um, and so that's definitely a, a topic that I would be intrigued to read about and see if there's a practice that maybe I can grow and develop a stronger strategic thinking. Hmm. Um People have to be careful with realistic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, because I know someone from my past who said he was a very realistic thinker. And in fact, he was a very negative thinker. Pessimistic. Yeah. Very, very much so. Um, everybody was innately awful. Mm. As opposed to my positivity, at, which was everybody's innately good. Mm-hmm. You know, so realistic is stuff happens. Mm. You know. And people make choices. Not that people are bad or good one way or the other. So you have to be really careful with realistic. So I'm interested to see what they define as realistic. Yeah, there's a saying I like. The optimist invents the airplane. The pessimist invents the parachute. (laughs) You need both of them. You do. Uh, So I'm going to bookmark all of these in my head before I forget them. Informed, constructive, ambitious, and long-term. All right. So... Um, in the past, I would have leaned more toward uncommon because I liked to be the little special snowflake who was thinking thoughts that other people weren't thinking. And if the majority was going one way, I would think, okay, but how could this other way be true? Just so I could be like different. <laughs> Mr. Devil's Advocate. And, you know, well, you know, if everybody's going to go that way, then they might not be prepared when something else comes in and... See, I was like, when I was real young, I was like the fast kid. I would do like the lap around the field faster. And I liked being just that little bit ahead. So if everybody is already moving one way, I can't get ahead of all of them. Like they already have this huge head start. But I can be the first one to go in this other direction. (laughs) So that when they all agree and like, oh yeah, that is a good direction. I'm like, I'm way down the other end of the the field. Watch me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's where I would have looked at it. Uh, like good thinking or the most useful kind of thinking for me would be whatever is further along or further ahead that I've given three different looks at before somebody else has given one to. I now would look at informed thinking as being valuable where you've seen all these different sides to it. Not just necessarily... And one of the ones that I I also said constructive uh, was... In what way does this thought further what I'm trying to go for? Uh, is this building towards something? Is it getting me closer to my goals? Uh, versus like negative or de- destructive thinking like, oh, well, I'm terrible at this. I don't know why I thought I could do this. You know, is the thought that you're having moving in the direction you want? But beyond that, I think informed thinking, well-rounded um, allows for the possibility that yes there is this negative thing you don't want to look at like bills (laughs) that that you need to deal with and only having constructive positive bubbly sparkly thoughts will blind you to smaller problems that can stay small if you do something about them quickly and you mean like bills yeah (laughs) um if you're, if you're looking at the whole big picture, I guess you could say, uh, then you know 
what not fun things you have to do to make the fun things possible. And I guess constructive thinking uh, as it as it relates to one of these other bullet points would probably be closest to possibility thinking. Okay. Constructive. I could have sworn there was a bullet point that it related more closely to. But anyway. Uh, oh, and ambitious. That was the one that really hit with possibility. So before, I might have looked at, like, what's the, the quickest or the smartest, best way to do this so that I can achieve this whatever objective it is. And now, now that you and I have met and, uh, and I've read that other book, Secrets of the Millionaire's Mind and all that, which I've mentioned in previous episodes, I think it's safe and it's okay to think bigger. It's... It's fine to look at the best way to make this happen with this budget, but now, see, okay, I grew up also looking at however much money you have as, all right, well, that's what you have to work with. This is the cap on what you are able to get for this period of time. So make the most of it, save up if you have to, but that's all you've got. If you are shooting for something within a certain time frame where you're not going to have enough money, tough. And now... I, and it was just a, such a simple concept that I got out of that book, was that the idea that the money is out there. All you have to do is go do something that puts it in your pocket. Like, just because you have a certain number of gigs that you're used to having, who's stopping you from getting another gig? Like, yeah, yeah. if you think, oh, well, I only have this amount of money that I'm going to pull in for it when I really actually need this amount, could you talk to three different gigs and say, hey... What would you what would you say to you know bumping it up by this tiny amount? All those tiny amounts are going to add up, and then you'll have enough. Yeah. Um, if you only have three of whatever in stock, and you think, well, that's only going to get me this amount of money, what can you do to get more in stock? What can you do to like make an added thing that's like, oh, and if you if you get these items plus this bonus item, it's such a savings, such a steal. And it only costs you this little bit more to get the extra thing. And then you get the extra thing uh, in stock, you sell it, and now you have, again, the amount of money you need. So I think it's all right to be ambitious in saying, uh, yes, this amount of money will get me to these events. I have to pick and choose, and that's what I can do this year. But you can also say, no, 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 what do I want to do? What is my ideal best version of how things could go? What number does that uh, come to? And how do I get to that number in this amount of time with this amount of resources? Let us reflect on this as a crowd of dancers enthusiastically moves through the halls here at UCWDC Worlds 26 in Burlingame, California. <laughs> um. I think one of the things I used to limit to myself by thinking is the idea is you have to have money to make money mm. or you have to invest money to make money. Mm. And there is a certain degree and that is true. Mm. But I used to do the idea that, well, I only have so much money. So if I really invest any more, I take that risk of not having enough mm. for what I do need. Whereas... Lately, it's become the idea, like you had said, that there's money out there. Mm -hmm. I just need to go and just do something. Mm -hmm. um, so now I'm working 
at a pharmacy. I'm working at a sports memorabilia store. I teach line dance and I now sell lip sets. So it's like, okay, well, there's all these other things I could be doing. There's different ways I could go and increase my income and allow myself to do things. There's also the idea of looking at things going, okay, well, do I really need that venti at Starbucks just because it's only 50 cents more? Whereas, you know, the difference between a tall and a grande is like a dollar. It's like, well, why not just jump up to the venti? It's only 50 cents more. Like you were saying, the idea of like, well, you get this bonus, but you get to save all of this. You get twice as much for this price as opposed to, you don't need it. Go with the smaller because that's what you're going to drink. That's what you're going to consume. You only need so much to make yourself happy. Um, yeah, same thing with the idea of like, do we need to eat out as much as, as you know, the average person does? No. Our theory for rice for Rachel and Roy, mm-hmm. same concept. You can make meals at home for cheaper. It's so hard to justify buying, like, a tea somewhere when I know I have tea at home. It's so hard, no, like, going out and buying a salad knowing how much salad is at home. If I just packed it, I would have a salad. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't be set, spending twice as much on salad. Well, actually, realistically, if you think about it, like four times as much because I already purchased the first one and now I'm going to pay twice as much for the second one. The other means, one's going to go bad at home. Right, exactly. Um, and just taking that little time to prep. Just that moment or two to prep and be like, okay. Sounds yeah. like some uh, strategic thinking to me. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little better, bit better right? at that than I thought I was. Hmm. Um, it's also the um, application mm-hmm. of strategic thinking that maybe I need to work on. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> there as well. Like, it's one thing to, like, know all the best life advice. There was a time when I was, like, all about, like, writing down the best principles from, like, Marcus Aurelius and... And you know Descartes and, and Da Vinci and all the people that inspired me, even like fictitious characters, and I had like I still have this massive document. But then as time went on and I wasn't applying as much of it, and I was still like in the same place doing the same stuff, I'm like, well, what's the point of having all this life advice? Do yoga in the morning, meditate twenty minutes a day, if none of it does anything? Like it's not. You can know the stuff, but if you don't do it, what good is the stuff? Like, yeah. what good is the life advice? So, yeah, execution. I don't know. Is there anything here about execution? Not yet. No. It's just, this is all just thinking. Maybe bottom line thinking. Like, bottom line, you have to actually get off your butt. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's the idea of change. They've mentioned changing your thinking mm-hmm. so that you can become, you know, more productive. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the pro- progress because if you change your thinking, you know, it's like the idea of, of just wishing for something versus seeing that, oh, that is obtainable. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where discipline comes in handy because motivation is fleeting. Motivation is weak. And uh, when you're not motivated, nothing happens. But when you're disciplined, you do it even when it's not fun. I don't remember what book it was that I was looking at at Barnes & Noble with the the cover really caught my attention. It was like, it was a really cute, catchy title or whatever. And so I picked it up and I looked at the back and the first thing it sucked about was being more disciplined. And I went, Nope, I'm out. (laughs) I was like, no, no, I don't want (laughs) to, don't make me. Mm -hmm. 
you know. And it's definitely something that I do need to work on, and I know that. Um, I very much let my aid control a majority of my uh, thinking and actions. Um, whereas I do the ah, future meal deal with that. It's like how I look at, I look at like you know Fred and Trevor and to some extent Will and Guyton and Darren, Darren and all their like <laughs> muscles and all this stuff. And I think yeah, that would be cool, but push-ups are hard. <laughs> So right? why would I do push-ups when yeah. I can go and dance? Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, I can save so much money by not eating or forgetting to eat. <laughs> right? Like, all that muscle is just gonna, you know, it'll 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 show up if it wants to. But yeah, all that money for gym memberships. Right. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, there are YouTube videos to be watched about getting buffer. <laughs> yeah. So, should be fair. One of the things that I've, I've recently come to terms with is the idea of priorities. Yes. Priorities. Obviously, I, one of the things I like to ask people just kind of randomly is if you didn't have to have, like, go through the schooling, if you didn't have to have some special knowledge or something, you were just embodied with this particular knowledge, what would you want to do? What sounds the most fun, creative, intriguing, interesting thing that you could do regardless of how much schooling it would take because you would just have all the knowledge you would need. And I always said archaeology because I think that sounds awesome. I have no desire to put in the work for that whatsoever. I just think it'd be really cool to be able to say, I'm an archaeologist. I get to dig in the dirt, you know? Oops, sorry. Um, And discover things that way. Like, it's really cool. It is a topic that does interest me. I like watching movies. I like watching documentaries. I like reading articles about different discoveries when it comes to archaeology. But again, I'm not going to put in the work because that's not where my priority is. And it's not because, like, I don't think I could do it. If I wanted to, I would. Just like if I wanted to become a pharmacy tech, I would. I am. You know, it's something that I think is achievable for me. It's something I enjoy. It's something that challenges me. But it's something that leaves room for what I really love to do. And my priority is dance. Being around people in the dance world. Being part of what I consider one of the most enriching and undiscovered by the masses community that is line dance, the line dance community. I, the friends I have across the world, the people that I feel like I've let into my living room in a you know metaphorical sense is because of this dance community. I feel so enriched and so encouraged and so supportive because of this group. It is where my passion is. That is where my priority is. So I'm going to do what I can to make all of that happen. I look at certain things. Would I like to be would I like to be a runner? That's one of the things. I, I took up running for a little while. It was fun. I enjoyed it, but it's not a priority for me anymore. It's not something that like I feel like I get out of the way someone like our friend Carolyn does. She loves running. She does all these kind of marathons and I see pictures every week of a new one that she's done and she's good at it and she enjoys it and that's her that's a priority for her. Whereas for me, it's not. 
Yes, yeah, Stephanie Miller, our friend and president of Line Dance Club, is one of those rare runner and dancer overachievers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've, I've learned the idea of like, yes, certain things would be nice, but it's not where my priority thinking is. It's not where my priority energy is. So it's okay to have liked the idea of doing something and just chalking it up to the idea of instead of saying, oh, I could never do that. Just that's not where my priority is. Mm-hmm. It changes the idea of what's in your ability to accomplish if you say oh that's just not where my priority is not that I couldn't do it yeah that's I mean for my education I have my degree in philosophy and I was two classes away two core classes that like are required for the major um, away from a degree in psychology a BA in psychology I had every other requirement completed except for those two classes in my, my um, teaching credential program, I was one semester away from completing the credential. All I would have had to do was student teach for one semester. I would have been done. I would have had a credential in multi-subject and single-subject teaching. But I don't want to teach, which I discovered while I was in the credential program, um, at the elementary or middle school or high school level at this time. I don't know what I would do with a psychology degree. I don't know what I would put it toward that requires having the degree. So I would love to have the closure of just having those things done because I am a completionist in that way. (laughs) But I also know it's not a priority because nothing that I would want to do next after that requires that I have spent the time on those things. So every time – it's like tournament thinking. Every time – those options and expenditures come up against something like dance, dance is going to win. Right. Now, if I am somehow like paralyzed for a year or something, even then, I don't think that would stop me. I'd find other way. I'd like DJ better or something. Like I would find <laughs> some way to do something in dance instead. If something were to stop me from doing what I would normally do physically in dance for whatever period of time and all that was left was those other things, then maybe I would do the other things and get the degree and get the credential. But again, afterwards, I'd go right back to dance. Yeah, I think that was when I injured myself. We had looked into coding. We started learning sign language. We started learning French. And as soon as I was better, all of those things kind of went to the wayside, and we were back doing the choreography. We were back learning the dances. We were back hunting for music. We were back looking for more topics to discuss on on the podcast. And it was all a matter of like, okay, now that that's out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and upgrades. That was the other thing I was thinking of in terms of... Um, when you look at your calendar, like all these different blocks, of, like I mean, on Google Calendar, there there are like little colored blocks. Uh, it's something now that I look at that can be upgraded. So, um, as opposed to looking at, I have just you know for those out there, full disclosure, I have not had a minimum wage job in many years. And it would be so hard for me to go back to that because that, that was my thinking, my comfortable thinking before was you know, you'd get this job, you get paid this amount, and that's that. Now I look at all of these hours in all of the days I have in a week and I think, okay, 
from this hour to this hour, from three to four o'clock, my time is worth X amount of money. Uh, then, at least at that hour, I am actually getting paid something. But from this hour to this hour, I'm getting paid zero dollars. How can I upgrade the value of that hour of my life to be worth minimum this amount? And then once all of those hours have been upgraded to your you know, minimum comfortable amount, then you can start looking at them and say, okay, what's my least favorite of these <laughs> hours? How can I not do that anymore or get compensated more uh, for that same amount of work? If there's not a way to do that, then just leave it and find some way to make it better. It's like when you're playing an RPG and you have all these different armor things on. You have like your chest plate and your uh, gauntlets and your boots and your helmet. And they each, let's say you start out with like leather armor and they each provide a certain amount of protection. Now, it can be very scary and expensive to try to upgrade everything all at once. So you may not want to try to just drop all the armor, be left exposed and unprotected, and then think, no, it's okay. I'm going to have metal armor soon. Really, I can find a way. Instead, just upgrade each little bit at a time. Find out which is the priority, which you really need to drop, and which one you really need to upgrade. And then, little by little, just keep upgrading all of your hours and your week overall will be lucrative and hopefully fun because you've dropped all the stuff you don't like. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to change everything so that you're no longer a singer, but now you are a surgeon or something. <laughs> like, you know, you can be a singer part of the time and a line dance instructor part of the time and a tech help guy part of the time. And then when one of those is no longer satisfying your, your desire to do that, then try to lean more of it toward the teaching side or maybe you're less feeling the teaching and you're thinking okay I can take that time and choreograph for an hour each week and in the long run it might not give me you know $20 or $30 or $40 during that hour but maybe it'll give me $500 by going to uh, a gig where they're going to fly me out and I'm going to teach for the weekend and they're going to cover my food and all that other stuff. So then you're looking at strategic thinking and big picture thinking uh, as opposed to what do I need to survive for rent this month? I better not leave that because then I will starve and die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Although starving and dying is a real fear. (laughs) It's legit. Mm -hmm. Um, It shouldn't stop you from trying to better your circumstances. Yep. Um, is it is it is all within your control, and yes, it can be hard, and yes, it's, it's terrifying to start at a job that maybe pays you less initially. But if there's room for growth, if for instance, all you have to do is put in three months and you automatically get a bump in wages, it might be worth it if it's going to be a job that satisfies you more or if it's going to be a job that works more openly with your scheduling so that you have the ability to pursue something else as well at the same time that maybe counterbalances the fact that you have to work for a living. You know, um, it gives you that option, that opportunity to better your life, better your circumstances, give yourself a happier Uh, more well-rounded experience in life. Oh, and uh, you say happier. 
also kind of like an RPG. Sometimes your items, like your armor pieces, will give you a certain amount of like strength or protection or whatever. Just like how you can have a bar for health, so that when you get attacked, you know, your your health bar runs down. You can also have a bar for mana or mana or however you pronounce that, so that you know you have a certain amount of like magical power. Just throwing that out there as concepts of different bars, different measurements. Uh, in addition to looking at each hour and seeing where you can upgrade the amount of money that you are drawing in, you can also grade each hour in terms of life satisfaction so that sometimes if you are getting, let's say, you know, $35 for one hour of work, but you're enjoyment or happiness level consistently is it like a three or four out of ten and this is something that you can track just you know long term really think about it grade it each week and then find the average um not to say that i've actually done this but hey what a great idea this would be (laughs) to start doing um if you have the option to work for four hours and fifty dollars covers that full four hours then yes per hour you're getting a lot less you're getting like 1250 an hour but your enjoyment level could be like a 9 out of 10 for each of those 4 hours when before you were getting more money and doing 1 hour of work and 3 hours of nothing afterwards and being miserable yeah yeah and it's not even like you know you have the the 2 out of 10 or 3 out of 10 for that first hour but then you go home and go on YouTube and now it's 10 out of 10 for all the 3 hours that follow no, it's, now you have like the bad taste in your mouth of having compromised yourself to do that job that you didn't like. So now it taints the other hours that follow the hour you didn't like and got paid more money for. And then, because you're unhappy, you take the money that you did earn and you spend it impulsively on comfort food or Amazon, some little trinket or, or electronic that you don't really need, but it makes you feel like you're in more control of your life. You don't need to get that stuff if you're doing the four hours of stuff you actually enjoy, and then you keep all of that money. Yeah. Or like in my, for instance, case, um, how many times I change my hair color. (laughs) That can get expensive when you're doing it every three weeks. (laughs) Day six. Turning the page. Nurture great thoughts. For you will never go higher than your thoughts. Benjamin Disraeli. What difference can a shift in your thinking make? Jack Welch, former CEO of General Electric gave this advice to a young business person who asked him how he could elevate himself among all of his other associates. The only way to get out of the pile and stand out to your boss is to understand this simple principle. When he asks you a question, assigns a basic project, or sends you out to gather some data, he simply wants you to go out and confirm what he already believes is true. If you want to elevate yourself, you must sink your thoughts and time into not only answering the question, but three or more other ideas, options, and perspectives that were probably not previously considered by your boss. The goal is to add value to the idea and the thought by exceeding expectations when the question is given to you. Because 99.9% of all employees are in the pile because they don't think. You will always be given more critical questions to answer. And in time, you will be the one giving out the questions to others. If you desire to climb up out of the pile, become the best thinker you can be. 
Describe your desire for success and to improve your life. Write a declaration of commitment to change your thinking. Then, sign and date it. I would like to point out this is one of the specific things that I especially admire about our lovely friend Joe. We talked to her in Florida at Florida Line Dance Classic, and she mentioned how she she does try to think of ways that she can be more valuable to an event. Like, what can she do to help with the performances or with leading dances when you know there's filler bumper music on or um, helping somebody on a sidewall when she would otherwise maybe be in the front wall. If there's somebody who's trying to follow it on the side, then you know, she can help them out and kind of gesture them through it. And the fact that she has been doing this for so long and she's already done so much that conventional thinking would say, oh, well, she can just indulge now. She can do whatever she wants. The fact that she doesn't do that and she's still always looking out for the event manager or the DJ or the dancer on the floor or the person she's sitting next to, like the fact that she's always looking out for the other person just gives me such a, a high bar to reach for in terms of like quality of person I would want to be at an event. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> clearly, as I've uh, mentioned several times before, um, certainly someone I just absolutely admire and love wholeheartedly because of how genuine she is. Um, someone we were speaking to a couple days ago had mentioned how you never question what her motive is. She doesn't have any ulterior motives to this. She just wants to be better and she wants everybody else to be happy. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, but at the same time not surprised at all in the fact that she still looks for ways to be helpful and better herself. Um, for one, she she is just that type of person. You would think that she would always constantly be trying to better a situation. Uh, but two, it is one of those things that like it took me back because... I guess the idea is, like, she isn't that already. She isn't that amazing already. She doesn't just do that naturally. That's not just a thing she does because that's who she is. She actually takes the time to think about it. Um, That was cool for me because that put it into being relatable, being something that I can personally achieve and know that it's okay to keep thinking that you can do better. Because if you keep striving for better, you keep pushing yourself to be more valuable to the people around you. Not only is that one, yes, partially selfish because you want to be valuable and you want to be valued, but it's going to enrich everyone around you because you're doing it for everyone else first. It's just a bonus that you get the happy feelings. You get the positive response when you're going out there and being helpful. For me, I know I have gotten a few compliments that have meant the world to me. And I've gotten a few people who have thanked me for doing certain things, such as like seeing that person that's struggling on the floor and trying to help them, you know, like I'll minimize and be very precise about my vanilla movements as opposed to all these embellishments and I'll even kind of like point directions or I'll call out steps if I think that that's going to help them and afterwards they're 
they're so grateful and they're thank you so much and it's like at the time I didn't do it for me I did it for them because I wanted them to enjoy it but I got the reward afterwards of them thanking me and giving me that gratitude and that kind of praise almost that I did a good job I did something that helped somebody else which then makes me feel good obviously um I liked some of the things that Joe said about how she tries to dance in a different spot on the floor each time. That was really cool. And it kind of touched on something that we had talked about um, sitting in a different spot each time you come off the floor. But the idea of like dancing in a different spot on the floor kind of put things into a little bit more perspective for me. So it's something that I have been consciously trying to work on. It's a little bit tricky um, because... So many people are afraid to use that front section of the floor for whatever reason. Um, So there's more room there, typically. So I tend to like to be able to actually move while I'm dancing. So I tend to gravitate more to that spot. Whereas, like, the center, people tend to cluster a little bit more. So it's a little bit trickier. But I've tried to make the conscious effort of dancing in a different spot um, at Florida Line Dance Classic on the floor each time. Um, for instance, like when I would go out, out to the, the lobby area, um, for a drink or to go use the restroom or speak to someone outside. When I came back in, I wasn't right at the front. I was at the back of the floor. So now where do I dance? Do I cut through the center and go to the front? Do I walk all the way around and go to the front? Or do I just find an open spot somewhere on the back or on the sidewalk? Okay, well, obviously, I want to dance. The song's going to start any second now. I go to wherever there's an open spot, Um, which allowed me to break through my comfort zone a little bit, as well as it made it easier for when I walk off the floor to sit somewhere else. So, One of the things that I like about what joe does is that it's so simple but she does it like whatever it is like if it's oh well anyone could smile during dance like looking like they're having a good time so yeah you'd think it's so obvious but she does it and and then when you know the dance is over and the person who was trying to figure it out the first few walls uh gets comfortable with it and feels really confident by the end and you give them that high five like hey you know great job um again a person who is looking at you know how they can improve and they just kind of brush that off like well yeah well that's super easy yeah but she does it like you can you can think about all these different ways that the experience could be made better for people around you but actually doing it consistently every time is what makes her the way she is and that also includes things that she doesn't do. Like she doesn't, you never see her looking stressed or she doesn't get like sloppy bouncing off the walls drunk. Like there are many people like I, I, I noticed um, Shane at Vegas was also like positive and, you know, keeping himself together. And I thought that was really cool to see somebody as you know young as him when it could be so tempting to just kind of indulge and do Vegas, to be as disciplined as he was and as present um, and interactive with people, very Joe-like. And again, it's something anyone could do. You know, smile, be positive, interact, um, hold yourself together, be professional. But the people who actually do it, 
Those are the ones that they're writing about in this giant paragraph about how you can you know, set yourself apart. Taking the extra five minutes and thinking about, like they were saying here, um, not only answering the question, but three or more other ideas, options, and perspectives that were probably not previously considered by your boss. How much extra time could that really take? Just to have you know two or three extra bullet points. It's like uh, Tim Ferriss with his five bullet Fridays. He doesn't have to do that, but you know it's it's a little extra something fun for his subscribers to read about every week. And the fact that he actually does it is what might make you listen to his podcast as opposed to somebody else's because he gives you that little bit more. It's the idea of under promise over deliver. And I see you nodding. It looks like you have a thought as well. Well, that's actually one of the things I was going to mention um, earlier is the under promise over deliver. It's, it makes such a huge difference. Um, and it's not the idea of like, well, I could do this, so I'm going to promise them less so that then I can show up and be this amazing person. It's the idea of promise what you know you can accomplish and then strive for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not only going to push you and your comfort level, but it's going to show that you put in the extra work when you are able to over-deliver to that extent that you had under-promised. One of the things that I was thinking about that declaration is the same thing which we had spoken about earlier. I mentioned um, like the vision board, Mm -hmm. putting it very present in your face. um, This is what you want to accomplish. This is what you want to do. Um, Makes... It takes it to that next step instead of just wishing. Now you're visualizing. Now you can see yourself on that stage. Now you can see yourself getting that award. Now you can see yourself earning that promotion because now you've visualized it. Um, And now you're that much hungrier for it. It's that much more obtainable. So now you take the step in saying... This is what I'm going to do by declaring it, by saying I'm going to work on choreography for 10 minutes once a week. Um, that 10 minutes, it's that uh, you've mentioned it before, the idea of like saying you're going to do one push-up. Well, once you do one push-up, it's kind of silly to stop at one. Yeah, Tim Ferriss describes it as rigging the game in your favor. Yeah, um, it's silly just to do that once. If you start with 10 minutes, like what's 10 minutes? What is 10 minutes? You work on 10 minutes before you know it. You've been working on choreography for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour. And now you have a dance in which you've accomplished. You've started and finished. And now all you have to do is type up the step sheet, submit it for feedback, enter it into that competition that you really, really wanted to. Um, Whereas before... If you're like, well, if I do, you know, if I want to complete one dance a week, that's such a huge goal that if it's almost setting yourself up for failure because you're like, there's no way I can get it one dance in a week. There's no way. Versus, well, let's see what I can do with 10 minutes. You know, you're not going to stop. As long as you give yourself that 10 minutes with an open end at the end, obviously, not like, oh, 10 minutes before I have to leave for work because right. that's totally different. Um, but like, 10 minutes right after you get off work and you've eaten dinner and now you have an open night of nothing where you may watch a movie, you may read a book, you may binge, you know, watch whatever on Netflix. If you do 10 minutes then, 
then that has an, a technically an undefined close time because it's just by the time you're just done, you're done. Um, and I think by declaring that and signing it, it is one of those ways of visualizing and making it more reality. And now it's almost like you're holding yourself accountable by saying, I am going to do this. Um, I know we had talked about uh, whether or not to drive up last night and how we were talking about we don't want to mess with the streak. We already have so many nights. Like, How cool would it be to be able to say we went to Worlds every single night? And it was really close, but both of us were at that point where like, but it would be really cool if we could hold on to this streak. The second you give yourself that pass, that's when you start getting in trouble. The second when you're like, oh, it's okay if I don't do my daily something or other. Oh, it's okay if I don't do this this one time. That's when you start getting into trouble because now you're giving yourself the excuse. Well, then you look at it later and go, well, I missed that one day earlier and it didn't kill me. The world kept turning. So then what's this day? And then before you know it, it's three days. And before you know it, it's a month and so on and so forth. That's how come so many of the New Year's resolutions don't pan out is because you don't hold yourself accountable. By putting it a declaration, by saying it in a public statement, by um, perfect example, my friend Celine is trying to better herself and lose weight. So she's being very, very vulnerable and taking pictures of herself and posting every single day about like what she's eating, what she's done exercise-wise, and what she hopes to accomplish, where her weight is, what her check-in weight is. In other words, like um, she's on day four of, of the year, so her check-in day is day seven. So she's like telling people, I have to weigh myself on the seventh. Here's where, I, here's where my last weight was. Here's what I've eaten today. I was really bad yesterday, and I had six cookies. Today's a new day. We're going to start over. We're going to do this better. We're going to have that salad. We're going to have that, you know, piece of fruit as opposed to that piece of cake or something to that extent. And it's the idea of by putting it out there, she's not only making it written, public, but she's saying that she's going to hold herself accountable and see everybody who's watching. You'll see when I don't hold myself accountable and then you can question me. And it's that idea of, again, making it so that things work in your favor and setting yourself up for success as opposed to failure. Okay, two, why aren't you out there on the floor? Oh, we're actually oh. on uh, Line Dance Podcast We right have a, now. a visitor to our podcast. Would you like to <laughs> say hello? Oh, and away she goes. We'll see you on the dance floor later. All right. Um, so it's certainly one of those things that if, if you're able to put a board together if you're able to write it down in black and white you see it we'll sneak one more of these in here before uh, we hit the three o'clock hour day seven people will never attain what they cannot see themselves doing Karen Ford over the next six days I want you to see how you can begin to change yourself as you take responsibility to change your thinking if you follow the process faithfully it will result in a changed life Step one, changing your thinking changes your beliefs. My friend author Gordon MacDonald says that if you do not believe in yourself, you will, quote, fall victim to ideas and systems that are destructive to the human spirit and to human relationships and grow dependent upon the thoughts and opinions of others. Or you may simply give up. But here's the good news. 
Even if you currently lack what McDonald calls a strong mind, there's no reason to give up or live an unfulfilling life. The human mind can change if you are willing to put in the effort to change your thinking. As you strive to change your thinking, tell yourself these three things. Change is personal. I need to change. Change is possible. I'm able to change. Change is profitable. I'll be rewarded by change. Remember, no matter how old you are or what your circumstances may be, you can change your thinking. And when you change your thinking, you can change your beliefs. Describe a personal or professional issue that has created an ongoing obstacle to your progress. What change in your thinking do you need to make to change what you believe about this obstacle? Well, I think we've done a pretty good job of already stating things such as, for instance, me and like getting up there and teaching, you with choreography, um, and the ideas that, like for instance, choreography, you had mentioned that just thinking about it is, is good enough. Um, obviously, that is something where you know that's not actually true. You know that that's a, a cop out, for instance, for you. That's your excuse to be like, okay, well, that, that's enough. That's enough. I thought about it today. Um, whereas now you've taken a couple extra steps in changing that and going, okay, well, I know that that's a problem, so this is where I need to change. I know I can change. So let's start implementing it. And then pretty soon here, you're going to start seeing the rewards. You've already started working on choreography. You already have some counts together for a new dance. And you're working on it. And you're seeing what feels right. And you're going from that progress. So you've already taken those steps to know that this is what you want to do. And so you've already started to see a result in that. Um, which I think if you just keep practicing that you're going to see it. Whereas for me, I do the, I am so scared to put myself out there and be vulnerable in front of anybody. Terrified to do it. I don't like the idea of being vulnerable in front of other people. I don't like trusting that people are just going to like me regardless. Um, it's very scary. So I had to start thinking about, okay, what do I want? What do I want to achieve? And what I want to achieve is to be better than who I was yesterday. So how do I do that? It's possible. I know it's possible. So there's that. I know I want to change. I know it's possible I can change. What do I need to do to do that? And some of that includes being more open about my fears. Some of that includes putting myself into the risk of being not accepted by the masses. Some of that is going out on the dance floor and trying a move that I haven't tried before in a dance that I haven't done before and it not working. Um, the other night I tried a variation in Poetry in Motion, totally flopped, did not work at all. So I was like, okay, well, next wall. And it's the idea of knowing that next wall is a whole new option and not stopping myself at, well, that was a failure, don't try it again. You know, because it's possible if I keep progressing, if I keep trying to push myself I might actually be able to accomplish the idea of being better than I was yesterday the one that uh, I'm looking at that is different from one that we had mentioned already <laughs> is the idea that if we leave where we are there won't be something there to catch us that we won't be good like let's say um, 
let's say you're trying to leave, let's say, a minimum wage job or something, and you think, well, I can't ask for more money to do anything else that I'm good at because nothing else that I'm good at is worth this much per hour. And by declaring that and saying that I can't get more than minimum wage, then you, you close yourself off to the possibility that, wait a second, oh, I totally forgot that I'm actually good at this other thing that people are willing to pay more for. And this has happened to me doing like tech help where I you know, charged a certain amount and I said, well, you know, that's, that's my rate because uh, they asked me after I was done. And they said, okay, well, I'm going to give you this amount. And then they gave me more. And I was thinking like, because back in the day, I wouldn't, I would have said, no, 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 no. Like all, all, I, all I charge is this. Like that's silly. You don't, you don't need to give me that much. And now I think about it in terms of if they want to, that's their prerogative. If they feel better and it's their choice to give more, I'm going to just let that happen. Uh, when I started doing guitar, when I started doing my gigs, I thought, I'm so inexperienced, there's no way I could ask for more than this. And then other people were telling me, like, uh, do you know that people who do this, who do what you're doing, charge this amount? Like, this, you, you need to ask for more. You need to start asking for more. This isn't right. Uh, and I would say, no, 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 I, I, I'm, this is my first time, like, doing this in, like, a public setting. I don't even usually let people let, let me hear uh, or let, uh, let them hear what I'm doing. So I can't ask for more than that. And again, I did that to myself. So by thinking, I can't leave this this Craigslist rental room that I'm in because what if I leave and there's nowhere cheaper? Well, then I'm going to have to make more money. And how am I going to do that with the amount of money that I have now? And like, you know, close myself off to the possibilities that there even are places out there that are either cheaper or worth the amount of money that I'd be paying for them because maybe they have a dance studio or something. Um, and even if we like completely left the area and we were to say, well, once we get there, what are we supposed to do? We have jobs now. We have places to live now. There's no guarantee that when we get there, we'll be able to pull off the incredible luck that we've been able to do here. Because once we're there, everything changes. Everything's unknown. There are no jobs there, maybe. There are no houses there, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, why put ourselves through that when we can just stick around here forever and and make the most of what's here instead of being within driving distance of Joe or in driving distance of Rachel or any of these other people we want to surround ourselves with and learn from? I think a good change in thinking, as this book is trying to uh, encourage us to do, uh, to get past our obstacles to progress is tell ourselves, you know what? We are capable. We have skills that we don't even know we have. And even if we don't think that those are worth the amount of money people are willing to pay, like for test prep or something, uh, for SATs or, or AP exams, even if we don't think that, like, well, that, that's just some class I took years ago. I mean, I'm kind of good at pre-calculus, but like, is it good enough to charge blah amount of money? According to the person who wants to pay because they want to pass the test, yes. Yes, it is worth that amount of money. And you can do that anywhere, not just where you live now. Um, you probably have you know, a whole list of skills that you've just forgotten about because they were fun for you 10 years ago. And, and you didn't even think about um, you know, the last time that you tried to brush up on them. Same with me. These are things that are with us wherever we go and are always going to be available for us to um, improve upon as necessity requires which it might if we leave our houses and jobs and everything else and have to live <laughs> and have to live yes when we have to <laughs> yeah um there's a few things that came to mind one of the big ones is the idea that the hardest 
thing to change about one's thinking is to think that you're worth it. That is the hardest thing that I have, when I've talked to people, is for them to say, I am worth more than what I'm settling for. And to really, truly mean it enough to start taking actions. And the truth is, we are all worth more. We're all worth something more than what we think we are, just simply based off the idea that we're, this is what we're get good at, so this is what we'll do. Because um, the idea is scary to risk saying that you're worth more to saying that you're worth to be paid more, to be paid to do something because you are good at it or that you are worth having that nice house and that nice car or being able to travel the world or having that job that you get to brag about having because you love it so much. Um, Those are all things that we've been to a certain degree ingrained in thinking are shallow and they're not. As long as you're grateful for it and you appreciate it and you know that you've put in work to get it, it's not shallow to be happy with your job and know that you're good at it. It's not shallow to know that because you practice six hours a day, seven days a week, you're a better dancer than you were five years ago. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So... Being able to say I'm worth more and I'm worth taking the steps to change is huge. And I think we all need to start thinking that way. Yeah. And, of course, the burden is on the person to prove it as well. Because let's say an event manager is trying to be um, a savvy business person and cut costs where they can and maybe offer you less than your rate, which to everybody else is your rate. You could accept it and say, well, you know, I really, I like this event so much. I'm scared that I won't get to come back. Um, and if I, if I take anything else or if I try to take anything else, maybe I won't be invited back and then that would be awful. But if you tell them I'm worth more and they say, okay, um, we're not going to pay that much. So you aren't, you aren't invited this year and nothing changes, like if their event goes off just fine, well then, you know, maybe they were right. Maybe maybe there wasn't anything that you brought that they were missing out on. But if you are uh, out there making the, the dance floor a better place to be and teaching memorable lessons and choreographing really, you know, just crackerjack dances and they see that you're bringing that somewhere else, some other place where people were willing to pay your rate or higher... And they're like, oh, we messed up. Um, they were right. They are worth that much. Let's see if, if we ask really nicely and give them their rate, if they'll come back next year. If, if you don't up your game, if you just say, well, it would be nice to have this amount, but I'm not going to do anything to earn it, um, then, yeah, why should they give you that amount? Yeah. The other thing is um, the idea is you know, if for whatever reason they don't ask you, then you can go somewhere else and – Maybe that event is something that's closer 
synchronized with you and your atmosphere and your likes and your strengths that you're able to bring something more and get something more out of a different event that whether they ask you back or not is is irrelevant because you found something better suited for you your talents and your abilities um the idea is if you do have to take that risk and it doesn't pan out and they say sorry we can't pay that and you're like well i'm sorry that's my rate um you gotta then do something about it somewhere else you can't just be like oh well that really sucked that was my fault you know like it's only your fault if you don't choose to get back up and do something else yeah yeah and if you're afraid that um if you don't go to that event that there's nothing else out there for you, then again, it's on you to create some experience of your own. Uh, and if you don't even know what's possible out there because you're so afraid of leaving that event, then you'll never find out that there is, like you said, another place where you could be that is better suited for you. Because before, you were always so committed to this one event or this one venue, if you're at a bar, you know, teaching every week or something, you're locked in and you don't know, you've always been meaning to visit that other bar, that other event, but you never could because you were committed to this one that's the sure thing. Looking at the time, it is now a bit over time. We are at 3.0, give me a second, 8, there we are, because I needed another second, Uh, 3.08 p.m. and the... Timer is saying that we've been talking for two hours and four minutes. Two hours and four minutes of Jumpstart Your Thinking by John C. Maxwell here at UCWDC Worlds, the World Championships held this year in the San Francisco Bay Area, specifically Burlingame, California. Do you have any closing thoughts before we get into these workshop rooms and see what's happening on the calendar today? Other than that, I'm just eager to get out on that dance floor. Um... I'm really looking forward to the potential that this new year has for everyone. And um, I would love to hear some of the ideas that people maybe have in response to some of the topics we've talked about. Um, it'd, it'd be really cool to get a little bit more feedback or even just, you know, hear what people think about their strengths and maybe something that they need to change themselves. Yeah, definitely. You can find us on Facebook, Line Dance Podcast. We're the only ones out there. You can just put a search in Google for Line Dance Podcast. And we are the Line Dance Podcast dot com. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can also mess- message us Facebook privately as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if for whatever reason you struggle with finding face- or, uh, Line Dance Podcast. Which is also Line Dance Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We are the one and only <laughs> podcast about line dance line dance podcast thank you so much all of you regular listeners as well as new listeners um we very much look forward to chatting at you all for this coming year of 2018 here on line dance podcast on move radio with christopher gonzalez and megan barcelia until next time and especially if you're at this event we will see See you you on on the the dance dance floor. floor